Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one solid page of Talmud each day. You know, when you read today's page, Nadarim 7, you find yourself a little bit confused. We get it. The rabbis like to work from the particular to the universal, raising a whole slew of hypotheticals in order to make sure their pronouncements were valid, not just in the abstract, but IRL, in real life, concrete guidelines that will not dissolve upon contact with complications. So the rabbis come up with all these crazy what-ifs, and some are pretty obvious. And then there's this one from today's page. Ravina raised another dilemma. Is there intimation for designating a location as a bathroom or not? The Gemara asks, what are the circumstances of the case? If we say that it is a case where one said, let this structure be a bathroom and this one also, that second structure is certainly also a bathroom. Rather, it is a case where he said, and this, and he did not say also. What is his intention? Is the expression, and this, that he said, understood to mean, and this shall also be a bathroom? Or perhaps what is the meaning of, and this, he is saying that it is designated for general use rather than as a bathroom. In other words, imagine the following scenario. Because bathrooms back then weren't the soothing and fixed conveniences that they are now, but more of a kind of a DIY situation, a dude really needs to go. And he decides to designate a particular room as the bathroom. Fine. Then he points to a second room and says, and this, what does he mean? Is the other room also a bathroom? Or by, and this, did he mean that the other room was most certainly not a bathroom, but rather designated for other uses? It's hard to tell, and even harder to imagine, a situation in which some guy just points to some random room and says, and this, right? Wrong. Something almost exactly like this happened once. Or at least we're almost pretty sure it happened. But the story is just too good to dismiss, even if slightly apocryphal. So bear with me. And it's a testament to how confused and curtailed pronouncements and plans so often shape our physical reality. The story begins with a man named Alexei Shusev. The fourth of five children, he was born in Moldova in 1873. His parents died when he was 15. And not long after that, he left home. He traveled to St. Petersburg and enrolled at the Imperial Academy of Arts, the finest institute in all of Russia. He was a great painter. And when he got married a few years later, he did what great artists did back then, which is take a grand tour of the world, which took him anywhere from Vienna to Tunisia. But he was a practical sort of cat, and painting, he knew, didn't exactly pay the bills. So he settled on his second artistic love, architecture. And because he was a practical sort of cat, he wasn't particularly picky about what kind of work he found. When he noticed the Orthodox clergy liked his Byzantine designs, he took to building churches and cathedrals, many of them. Then, when travel and modernity and connectivity were all the rage, it was on to railways. And then came that terrible year. 1917, and Shusev understood early on where the winds of change were blowing. 
He presented himself to the young Bolshevik revolutionaries, pledged his allegiance to the cause, and before too long, he was communism's favorite master designer. Just how favorite? Shusev found out himself on the night of January 22, 1924, when he was summoned to the Kremlin in the middle of the night. A bunch of weeping men told him that the worst had happened. Vladimir Lenin had died, and it was now up to Alexei Shusev to build the great leader a mausoleum. This he did. You can still visit it in Red Square where it still stands. But Lenin's eventual successor soon wanted grand structures of his own. And that brings us to our Talmudic point. By the early 1930s, Shusev was one of Stalin's favorite architects, if not the absolute favorite. So when Stalin wanted a grand new hotel in the heart of Moscow, overlooking Revolution Square, just a stone's throw from the Kremlin, to be named, naturally, the Hotel Moskva, he entrusted good old comrade Shusev with the task. Eager not to muck it up, which under Stalin had, you know, some pretty stern repercussions, Shusev came up not with one, but two designs. One design had a big and ornate facade and large airy windows, like something out of Venice maybe, or Rome. The other design was simpler, more austere, more clean cut with smaller windows and a more, shall we say, Soviet aesthetic. To make sure the contrast between option A and option B was really clear, Shusev drew them on a single piece of paper, side by side, and nervously took them to Stalin. Now, the Man of Steel was many things, but Great Architect was not one of them. Stalin looked at the piece of paper in front of him and then nodded his head in satisfaction and signed his name smack in the middle of the page. Approved! Which one? Which design had Stalin just approved? The ornate version or the simpler one? The one on the left or the one on the right? Did he even understand that he was looking at two different drawings? Stalin, like the man in the Talmudic story today who simply looks at a room and says, and this, was tragically unclear. And Shusev, for obvious reasons, was mortally petrified. He couldn't say, hey, uh, excuse me, Joe, but you seem to be confused. These are two different hotels I drew here and uh, you're going to have to pick one, bro. And so Shusev simply thanked Stalin, took his drawing and left. And the very next day, he instructed the builders to start building the Hotel Moskva with one side ornate with large airy windows and the other side austere with small windows and no pretenses. This asymmetrical wonder stood in Moscow until 2004 when it was demolished. A Four Seasons hotel replaced it, though now that the international chain joined the global sanctions against Russia, it's a Four Seasons in name only. And if you drink some Stolichnaya vodka, you could see a drawing of the old Hotel Moskva on the label, a reminder, particularly ironic for those about to imbibe, that the Talmud had it just right. When we fail to speak our minds clearly and concisely, the entire world around us can quite literally grow askew.
This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon.